Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. Scott McCready joins us. He is the Chief Executive Officer for Soul Cyber Managed Security Services. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure, Greg. Thanks for having me. We'd love to hear about your journey, uh, how you got started, why you got started in this wonderful field of technology, and what led you to being CEO for M an MSP, or an MSSP, I guess I should say. Uh, yeah, I know. I have like the traditional but non-traditional story. The traditional side is, you know, I was an, an engineer by trade, right? So I came out of university and and networking and, and security was sort of the new thing. Um, and I got put into there. But um, one of the unique parts of my background is the university I went to was a very small school, but they mandated four years of speech course. And as an 18-year-old college kid, I thought this was the worst idea ever. Why would anyone need speech course when you're a technologist? And it ended up being obviously one of the best things ever because um, as I started working, I kept getting put in front of more customers. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that ended up uh, in a way getting me hired into the very first MSSP. So this is, you know, 25 years ago, brand new concept, the managed security service provider. But, you know, as these firewalls and IDSs were coming online, no one knew, knew what to do with the data. What do you do with it? We had knocks, but we didn't have any socks. And so right. I ended up getting moved into there. Uh, really lucky. I, uh, we ended up working for Symantec, which became the world's largest MSSP. Um, got sent to Sydney, as I joke, the world's uh, best job uh, to build out Asia Pacific in Japan. Uh, so built that out and then ran uh, Symantec's global MSSP business. Uh, and then went to a company called FireEye Mandiant, um, built out their MSSP business. And then based on lessons learned from doing this for 20 years or so, we started Soul Cyber, which is really an effort to take um, core MSSP services like security log monitoring and up-level them to a sort, sort of a security programmatic approach that allows for companies to um, have a more easy way of having a security program in the same way that we sort of shifted from data centers to cloud um, without having to do as much of the heavy lifting. So you mentioned something very interesting in, in that history, and you talked about speech courses in college. And, and the reason why I kind of ping on that is you don't normally would, would think about that when doing talking about IT and technology and cyber and all that. But I have often said, and I actually said this on a LinkedIn post earlier today, that probably one of the most important certifications I ever got had nothing to do with technology. It was the competent communicator through Toastmasters. Because yep. as you said, we get in front of people, we get in front of customers, we get in front of colleagues, we get in front, if you're talking about being a CISO level, you get in front of executive management, the board, you need to be able to speak, but you need to be able to listen too. And right. I don't know about you, but when I was going through the Toastmasters stuff, part of the speaking course was learning how to listen more effectively. Is that the case when you went through? 100%. Uh, they structured the speech courses on the Toastmasters and sort of put their own spin on it. But it, hmm. but you'd be very familiar with the speech courses that we took. And then coming out of there, I did some continuing education in in the Covey, way back in the day, uh, Stephen Covey um, uh, management courses. And when you combine those two, it really forces you to ask the right questions and sort of try to pause the mind and listen to what people are saying in return. And of course, that helps on almost every level. It helps in talking with your colleagues. It helps in business proposals. It helps with customers. And as you said, board level meetings and things like that. And I know this is a little bit of a tangent from how I usually take this. But the reason why I wanted to go down that path is that uh, 
um, there's a lot of folks trying to either get into IT or cyber, or they're trying to change positions, or they've been rift or along those lines. And there's always this constant question, how can I stand out? And people talk so much about certs and this and that. It's like, sometimes you have to, and I hate using sayings like this, but sometimes you have to think outside the box and think about how can you make yourself more marketable? You're going to be working with people. Think about that. Greg, I, it's a 100% accurate point. Uh, I use a term called talent, talent stacking, hmm. uh, like which, that. which means that obviously, uh, whatever, in our case, being a really good security analyst or security engineer matters. Uh, but you, we can train on a lot of that. There has to be some obviously base level experience, but we are all used to in, in the Western society, sort of going through school and being trained on technical, whether or not that's being a really great um, English history person, or obviously being a, a great security engineer. What oftentimes are not very well trained in is what I like to call the, the things that make the whole company go round, which is communication and interactions, um, you know, positive thinking. We all know that when you're around people that are like, yeah, this is difficult, but you know, there's a way to get through this, or there's a way to make this better. Um, creative thinking, um, all, you know, and then the basics around just like, bringing value add to the job. These are all things that aren't really well taught that you sort of have to go teach yourself, unfortunately, in a lot of ways. Uh, but if you do, it makes you almost irreplaceable. And companies are willing to spend the time to train you up on technical components. What most companies are not super great at is training people up on soft skills. Again, whether or not that's, and, and they're not very good at saying, hey, you know, we need you to be a force multiplier. They're, they're not very good at that. What they're very good at saying is, Here's your test on being a security analyst. You got a 70, keep studying. We need to get to a 90. And so I tell people, if you if you work on these talent stacks, the odds of being successful in your career are um, almost uh, 100%. I don't know many people that are positive, can do spirit, always trying to figure out a way to make things better, uh, work well with others, and also obviously do their job that have problems. Absolutely. And, and that often comes out in the interview when uh, when when bringing a candidate in and, and, mm -hmm. and sometimes like the experience, the certs, whatever will get them in the door. But anyway, I appreciate that segue into that because I know that's an important topic. But um, I did want to ask. So so with Soul Cyber, uh, I would imagine that you have clients. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what Soul Cyber does, but is it fair to say that you have clients in the small and mid-sized business space? We do. Mm -hmm. So from having seen that, and plus in your history, uh, you probably have a very good perspective on this. <laughs> As a side note, now that we were talking about speaking, I'm trying to make sure I don't say um and ahs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I talked myself into it. From your perspective, um, from your perspective of having worked with small and mid-sized businesses, what would you say right now is one of the more or a couple of the more significant threats uh, cybersecurity-wise to small and mid-sized businesses today? Uh, there are a few. Uh, the first one, which is still unfortunate because it it, it almost forces the industry to, to do things that we don't really want to do, but there's still this belief that they're not really a target. It's amazing the number of 500 seat companies, 300 seat companies I talk with who are like, yeah, you know, we know that happened to so-and-so. We know that happened to, you know, a hotel chain in Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. But why would the bad actors come after us? 
you know, what do I have? Or, you know, if I get shut down for a day, we could probably survive. And it really almost forces us to move into this FUD territory because we see breaches literally every day. We're talking to customers that are like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I'm miserable. It costs me lots of money. I hope I can stay in business. And so it, you, you're all, you, yeah. it forced us to say you're really underestimating the threat. And none of us really want to sell that way. And we don't want to talk to customers that way. Uh, we, I personally talked to multiple customers this year that we've talked about a security program approach to security. And they've been breached after the conversation. So there's still this disbelief that something bad is going to happen to them. And that, as you can imagine, causes this chain reaction of poor decisions around security. And so the first thing I would say is, you know, if you're 300 seats, 500 seats, quit thinking tools. Uh, don't the way you don't the the way you should not be managing your budget is saying, this year we're going to get an extra twenty thousand dollars and I'm going to go buy a tool. There tools are needed, but the problem isn't that organizations don't have the right tools. If you look at again these large hotel chains that got, just got breached or Clorox, uh, they've got the tools. Uh, they even have the people, more people than small, medium business does. They're not hanging things together in a way that allows for those tools to be effective against a set of processes and then have that done in a repeatable, consistent manner that gives a very high probability of catching bad actors. So you talked a little bit beforehand about that the small and mid-sized businesses have this perception that we're not a target and and perhaps digging into the soft skills and the positivity as well that we just talked about earlier is one way to help to convince them that that's not the case. And I want to be clear about this first when I say that. It's like when you're coming from a, either from my perspective as a virtual CISO or your perspective, managed security service provider, when I use the word convince, it's not convince from the aspect of trying to make a sale. It's right. convince from the aspect of trying to I mean, I think that it's fair to say that most of us in information security, we're here because we want to try to make a difference. And so when we see a business that's like, has that attitude, oh, it's not never going to happen to me. We really feel that passion to want to get in and to change that attitude. Yeah. How would you recommend doing that? It's funny. We talk about that on a regular basis, uh, Greg. And you're 100% correct. When you've been doing this as long as uh, we have, which is now coming up in 25 years, you've seen so many, you're, you're, you've got so many battle scars from seeing so many horrible situations. And you, you listen to these companies and we try to use all kinds of different analogies. The, the one I used uh, sometimes is, is like getting your car towed. It's, it's, it's just so unpleasant, right? It's unpleasant on every level. It's the money, it's the time, it's the energy, it's the place you have to go. But um, what I've personally found is it is very, if people don't think they're at risk, it is very hard to convince them they're at risk because I think they've been inundated with uh, the FUD for a long time because, yes. it, because it's real. The FUD, the FUD is real. Uh, the insurance mm -hmm. industry cyber insurance industry says the last six months has been six of, uh, six of the worst months from cyber attacks in the last two or three years. Right. So we know it comes in waves, but it's, it's bad out there right now. So what we try to do is talk more business. And I'll be honest, we have variable success on this, but we're like, okay, we get it. You're probably not going to be breached. But if you were like, how long could you be down before it was a major problem? Uh, who, who would you call like, 
to to help you. So we try to work more through the business and just say, do you have all the pieces in place? And and sometimes it works, but candidly, it's 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 difficult. If people are like, you know, I've got AV and a firewall, and I'm probably pretty good. And you're trying to tell them that that's not sufficient. That um, identity is the core attack vector right now. Attackers log in, they don't hack in. They they just go, I don't even know what that means. And so that really is, I think, the core challenge we are facing is as an industry as we try to help um, SMBs who really desperately need the help. Well, you've touched on something that is, I believe, so important, and that is just in general, security folks will get a lot more traction if they learn and execute on talking in business language, because the C-suite or whomever your contact is there when you're making initial contact, they're not going to want to know or care about how many threats that you've stopped. Hey, our firewall stopped 82.5 million threats last last month. Well, gee, mm-hmm. good for you. Um, right. What does that mean to my business? So I agree there. And and I also agree with the part that you said that sometimes it's, it's almost impossible to get through anyway. If they're dead set on the idea that, well, we have a firewall and that's fine. Unfortunately, sometimes I see that you may or may not agree, but sometimes I see that as they would prefer not to know and yes. just yeah. move forward. And unfortunately, there are several ways that you can treat a risk and I'm not going to run through them all, but putting your head in the sand is not one of them. That's right. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about Soul Cyber. You you have on your website, you call it the first modern MSSP. What does that mean? So to keep this really tight, the traditional MSSP model is the customer goes out, works their way through X number of technologies. They figure out what they need to protect themselves against the bad actors. They update that on a regular basis. They send the data to the MSSP. The MSSP looks at it 24 by seven and sends them alerts back. The alerts oftentimes are not super helpful, but that's been the traditional model. Um, Having dealt with hundreds of breaches over 25 years, maybe thousands, uh, the problem we saw was that there was this massive gap between the tooling and the technology. Do customers actually have the right stuff that actually protects you against the threat today, not three years ago? Are they being run in a consistent manner if you want to see our customers eyes roll over, talk about a concept of operations, but you get it. Like you have to have a concept of how you run this stuff. And then three, you have to have the right people that do that on a consistent basis, again, with the knowledge of what's happening in the threat industry. And so what we did was we took this core idea of managed security services and we extended it to, to what we call a security program as a service. So if you're a mid-sized customer, you know, you at bare minimum, you have to have one or two people just even buy the tech and run the tech, but then who's, are you running it the right way? Do you need to change it? Who's monitoring it? What happens if something bad happens? So all of that, we've we've consolidated all that into a drop-in security program using best-in-class technology, but at a price point that's very easy for a mid-market customer. So we, we basically say, you can start, there's a journey, you can start at something simple, but at the end of the day, get out of the business of building security programs. It's not what you do. It doesn't even make sense for you to do it. Um, have us just drop in a security and it's going to be cheaper, faster, and significantly more effective. So do you focus um, primarily on the sec- on the uh, technology aspect of a security program, or do you extend beyond that to policy and risk management and that sort of thing? 
we call we focus on the operational security components. And so mm-hmm. one-time installs like MFA, we will help. But what we're really saying is there's a set of things that have to be run consistently. And if you run those things consistently and gather the data consistently and analyze it the right way, then you can have a very high chance of, of understanding when something bad happens and stopping it. Um, we will then tie that into companies' risk and compliance. So, so if they're going through SOC 2, Type 2, uh, we're about to launch a CMMC service. Uh, so we'll tie into different controls and say, uh, this will help you cover these controls depending on the regulation that you're trying to uh, ascertain. And candidly, Greg, one of our biggest customer uh, verticals is what we call supply chain compliance. And so it's like uh, movie theaters are demanding that the, the post-production companies have a set of security that's significant. And so they will use us and then we'll give them a bunch of data on how uh, to help fill out their audit for their larger customers, things like that. So I like to sometimes whenever I'm talking with a potential virtual CISO customer, um, a prospect, I like to try to frame things in the terms of um, the three lines of defense model. Uh, I know not everybody's familiar with that. Are you familiar with that concept? Uh, yes. Okay. So just for those who are listening or watching who aren't familiar, and I know I talk about it periodically, but first line basically would be operational IT security controls. And it would seem that that's where you all fall. fall. That's your forte. Second line would be the risk management side. And that's where you were talking about that you, you integrate with the company on that, right? Yeah. And then third line being audit, um, you're making sure that when the, do do you ever talk directly with auditors when they come in? We do. Okay. So that's good. So, so you do have that, that, that I like to call it like a translation in a way where, where an auditor might ask, well, how, how is this control? How is this technology meeting this requirement for the SOC 2? That's right. And we have that documented and we also have, you know, not on every control in the, in the planet, but again, we'll have customers that have a bank or a movie, whatever, uh, some large companies say, these are our rules that you have to, and then we'll take a look at those and we'll say, yeah, we help you across, you know, whatever, 35% of these, and this is how we do it. And if they need to talk to us, we can set up a call. And that's all that value add. When I say, again, why are you running a security program? That stuff's difficult for small, for 500 seat company to go do, right? Even 1,000 seats or 2,000 seat companies, let alone 500 seats or 200 seats. Well, I mean, to, to your point, and what I, what I see an awful lot is that people have gone down the path of buying all these different tools. Sometimes they have the staff to be able to manage it. Sometimes they don't. But regardless, it's like the the stuff that comes out is is almost non-actionable. And also you get to the point where you might have like overlaps of controls in one area <laughs> and a gap in another area and you have no idea. So, Greg, so I'm gonna I, have you come talk to every one of my customers. <laughs> we, we literally we will talk to them and they're like, you're like a fence and you've built overlapping fence particles here, pieces here, and then you've left a gap, and then you got another piece of fence, and then that one's overlapping slightly, and then you got a gap. And they bought tools, and what happens is every year they get a budget increase of X amount and they go out and buy a tool, but it's not hung together. Even the large customers we talk to, 20,000 seats, 40,000 seats. This is a very common statement. We got an MDR solution reporting to a, the vendor MDR. We have a SIM, we have an MSSP, and we have a team. And I said, well, who consolidates all that? And they're like, the team sort of does. But the, the, at the end of the day, they have data going to four different locations, none of whom are talking to each other. Different tools, different technologies, different processes. And there's a group in the middle that's, that's humanly trying to pull it together, and they're failing. So again, if you step that down to 500 seats, 1,000 seats, or 300 seats, it just doesn't make sense. 
So I, I, from a practitioner standpoint in the risk management space, I really love this approach. And let me explain why. Um, in, I, I deal with this. We deal with this in our firm constantly when we're evaluating um, the initial tool stack of our new clients or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ask about inventories and what is this doing? The, just the concept of what we're trying to get at yeah. is yeah, very yeah. hard. IT typically has a... a um, a desire, a they, they want to get things working and they want to make yes. sure that they're working. Asking IT to take a step back and take a more holistic approach, it's not that they can't do it, it's that they don't see the point a right. lot of times. Yep. And yep. and it's again, it's because they're doing a different task and, and they have a lot of, I mean, I can't do what they do. So right. being able to drop that in with as you say, not being able to rely upon the internal company having that resource or that skill set. That's the word I was looking for mm-hmm. before. I think is hugely, hugely important. And and I love that. I love this. I love to see that because I love how that's evolving the whole MSSP space. It is. And we talk about it all the time. There are amazing tools out there, but like, you know, if CrowdStrike versus Sentinel one, we have like, you know, what a proof point person buying account. Like you, we can go down the list of all these things. But again, the problem is the way all the pieces are hung together so that a set of people that do this for a living can actually action the information. I love the action word. Mm-hmm. And then if you do that right, it now enables these follow-on. The reason why customers love us once they get on board is because of like the audit question. They love the fact that they're protected. They sleep well at night. We find bad actors. We clean it up for them. Like they love getting that off the plate. But what they... We just had a customer go through a massive audit with a uh, movie company that developed movies or post-production. Um, three people on site for them. We helped them with probably 30, 40% of that. And they're like, it's so, and, and their uh, customer raved about the solution and that it was so easy to understand. And they understand how it was hung together. They understand how we operated. We had documentation. And so it's, that's the type of stuff where you're trying to t- explain this to customers, why this this matters. And the ones that get it, they're like, this is the best thing I've ever heard, right? This is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, but a lot of people are still stuck in the very day-to-day activity. We get it. We understand. We've all been there. Uh, but we do. It, it is nice to get them to lift up a little bit and understand that, isn't it nice just to get this off your plate and have it operationalized? Yeah, the 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 um, the carrot, if you will. It's like, I won't have to come to you nearly as much asking you for screenshots and evidence because we know where... Yes everything is we don't have to ask you like we don't have to go whittle through to try to figure out what would be the best evidence so that's right well there's a lot of stress involved with whether or not you're you're helping a company with their information and cybersecurity needs whether you're running a company as ceo um and i talk about this a lot on the podcast that i think that in our in our industry we sometimes try to push ourselves too much because we can be very passionate about what we do mm-hmm. And yet we forget that we need to take a step back every now and then. We need to decompress, recharge to be the best that we can, keep our mental health going straight. What's one of the things you do to step away and decompress? I love this question. I am um, I am very passionate. Like if I, if I had a second career, it would probably be in biohacking or something like that because hmm. I'm very passionate about health. And the... I just see it all the time. I saw it when I was younger. My dad was a minister, so we saw a lot of people that were very, you know, sick. Uh, and it really cemented this idea that if you don't 
have your health. Like things could, we saw so many people that life was going on a trajectory and they're doing what they're doing. Then their health fell apart and then everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. So what I tell everybody, and, and obviously what I try to do is, is you really have to take a little bit of time um, to step back and say, what do I need to do to get my health under control? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some real basics. Like if you, it's the 80, 20 Pareto principle. If you do a few of these things, you're going to get 80% of the benefit. And so you've got to lift weights. Um, I know that people are like, what lift weights? I won't go into all the reasons why, but the data is very, very clear. It's very clear over the last 15 years. Muscle, muscle deteriorates, bone deteriorates, uh, the ability to maintain your balance deteriorates, weightlifting offsets almost all that. Um, yep. I'm not saying to get huge and bulky. I'm just saying to maintain some structure and your posture and the strength of your body. No, 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 no. I, I just, yeah. just interrupt for a second. I yeah. get it. And yeah. I always say that the yeah. reason why that I work out now at 56 is because I want to be able to get off the toilet myself when I'm 90 years old. And that it's, is but it's exactly true because what you're talking right. about as far as like bone density and balance, which is a huge balance. thing, yep. it has nothing to do with focusing on the major muscles to make yourself look. I mean, you know, I've been married for so many years, you know, I don't need Arnold, to. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's all about the balance. It's all about the quality of life. So I'm sorry. Yep. I, I, I needed to just you know, opine on that. It's, it's 100% true. Limit your sugar. Um, mm-hmm. And then do some sort of, I've been doing, I was lucky. I got into fasting like 20 years ago. So I, I fast every Monday. So from Sunday night dinner to Monday night dinner uh, before it was a thing. Now it's a thing, but the ability to just like cut back on a period of time, you don't have to do 24 hours. You can do 12 hours or whatever. You mm-hmm. give you that body, you give your body a time to clean up and, and process. Uh, if you do those three things, get walk a couple times a week, go to the gym two or three times a week. And then limit your sugars, you're going to be literally, you're going to be at the 90th percentile of humans in America. Well, we might have to have a follow-up podcast on biohacking. So, <laughs> What are I your future plans? What are your future plans outside of biohacking? I mean, Soul Cyber is, 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 you know, it's my, it's my company, right? So it's sort of all encompassing. Uh, and so the, the goal really is to say, how do we continue to help organizations protect themselves in the easiest, most efficient way, manner. We are constantly thinking about how do we lower the friction to help companies get something in place that we know is going to protect them so that they can then get themselves to a place where they're not worrying about it. Security programs being built by companies doesn't make any sense in 2024. We just are trying to spend our time trying to figure out how to convince companies of that. Obviously, it's good for our business, but we've been doing this so long. It's, it's the right thing for the industry. Very good. Well, Scott, it's been wonderful having you on today. This has been a great conversation. I mean, everything from managed security, service (laughs) provider growth to biohacking. And like I said, I could have gone down that path, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. But thank you so much for joining us today. Greg, it was a pleasure. Look forward to doing it again soon. All right. And everybody, stay secure.